It's usually police dogs that are the subject of cases at the Supreme Court, but this week it was a golden doodle named Wonder, the service dog for a 13-year-old Michigan girl with cerebral palsy. Elena Fry and her parents have been fighting a battle that began in 2009 when Elena's elementary school wouldn't let her bring Wonder to school with her for kindergarten. The justices ruled unanimously that Elena may be able to sue her former public school for denying her access to her service dog without first having to exhaust all administrative remedies. Our guest is Robert Dinnerstein. He is the director of the Disability Rights Law Clinic at American University's Washington College of Law and associate dean for experimental education. Robert, tell us about the case. So the case, uh, as you said, is a it was a unanimous decision by the Supreme Court, which is, I think, a little bit unusual. It was written by Justice Kagan. And the court in the case reversed the judgment of the Sixth Circuit, which had said that uh, uh, Elena's parents, the Fries, had to exhaust administrative remedies under the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, or the IDEA, before they could go into federal court on a different statute, which was Title II of the ADA and Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act. So the idea was that that going to court, said the Sixth Circuit, was premature until she had exhausted administrative remedies. Supreme Court rejected that view and said that unless you actually are seeking uh, or, or claiming that there's a denial of what the law calls a free, appropriate public education, you do not have to exhaust. Rather, you can go directly into court under those other laws. Well, it gets a little complicated, doesn't it, Robert? Because sometimes you could have a claim where somebody's saying, you denied me my rights to education under the Disabilities Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, and you're it's also discrimination against me under, say, the Rehabilitation Act or the Americans with Disabilities Act. So you could have a claim that has elements of both, and uh, couldn't you? Right. You, you could, absolutely. So let's say that uh, the case here was, in addition to not letting her bring her service animal to school, that they also said that the school's individualized education program, or the IEP, uh, did not adequately address her educational needs, and they had both claims in the case, then she would have been required to exhaust remedies uh, in both of them if she was going to bring the both cases together. Other times, you're only looking for one or the other. So in many cases under the IDEA, the claim would be that you know Elena is not receiving the special education and related services she needs, but otherwise they're not discriminating. In this case, it was the opposite. The claim was... The parents had no concern, no problem with the content of the educational program. The complaint was that she wasn't allowed to bring her service animal. And one of the ways the school district responded was to say, well, we we have a human aid, a person who will help Elena. So we're not refusing to give her assistance, but we just don't think you need to bring a service animal to do that. And the Fries responded by saying that actually part of their whole way of uh, uh, raising and educating Elena is for her to become comfortable with, uh, with her dog, with Wonder, both in school and outside, a sort of part of a more holistic way of, of living. And they were frustrated that the school was uh, not responsive to that. Robert, this was a closely watched case for advocacy groups that want to make it easier for disabled students to protect their rights under the Americans with Disabilities Act. How much of a win is it? Well, I think it's a very big win. Um, uh, you know, when you get an 8 nothing decision, it's tempting to look back and say, well, you know, of course. But you know, as, as someone, when you litigate cases, you never assume anything. Uh, I think uh, it's, uh, it seems like it, one thing that was very clear was it, uh, the court did not accept the idea that if some 
case had some possible relationship to the education of the student, that then it had to be exhausted. One of the reasons why exhaustion made no sense here was that the kind of relief that the parents were seeking could not have been given by the hearing officer in, in the exhaustion uh, context. So why, make so why go through a fruitless uh, uh, exercise if you couldn't actually get the relief? One of the issues the court did not decide was what if this did relate to the education, but the parents were seeking a remedy, in this case damages, that a hearing officer would not have been able to give. So that's left open in the footnote. Uh, and so that's to be, you know, it, that'll be decided at some other point. There's also another case pending before the Supreme Court that was argued in January, the Andrew F. case, which has to do with what's the standard for special education that uh, is required under the IDEA. Um, and the decision for that will be sometime between now and the end of June. So this has been a, um, a, a term of the Supreme Court uh, with you know, quite a lot of activity in the disability and special education area. We'll be talking to you again. Thank you for being on Bloomberg Law. That's Robert Dinnerstein. He's the director of the Disabled Rights Law Clinic at American University's Washington College of Law. Coming up on Bloomberg Law, we're going to be talking about Brexit, but Brexit's impact on law firms based in London. It's causing movement in the legal space and leaving some law firms with increased opportunities. 